0: I'm Dr. Drew. A couple years ago, my wife, Susan, encouraged me to get screened for prostate cancer.
1: I even made the appointment for him.
0: so I went, and they found out I did have prostate cancer, and we had caught it in time. We were lucky. Yeah, man, don't put it off like I did. Get it checked.
1: And ladies, even if you're married to a doctor, men are men. Go with your instincts. Help them take the first step.
0: And for more information, visit the Prostate Cancer Foundation at PCF.org.
1: His health depends on it.
0: Buying a car can be a stressful experience, but TrueCar is changing car buying forever. Yes, TrueCar helps car buyers get rid of the fear that they might overpay. Last month, over 45,000 cars were sold by the TrueCar certified dealer network and truecar.com. Users save an average of $3,046 off MSRP. When you're ready to buy a car, just follow these 3 easy steps. First, go to truecar.com and find out what other people paid for the car you're looking for. Then, Register at TrueCar.com to see upfront pricing information and lock in your savings. And the third step is simple. Just print out your TrueCar savings certificate and take it to the TrueCar certified dealer for a better, hassle-free car buying experience. Some features are not available in all states. Every day, TrueCar.com users receive negotiation-free guaranteed savings. Save time, save money, and never overpay. Visit TrueCar.com today. That's TrueCar.com. We love hearing from you over here at Podcast One, so please keep sending your tweets and comments. We read every one, and don't miss the chance to take our very important listener survey at podcastone.com. Your responses will help us to make this show and all the shows the very best they can be. It only takes about three minutes of your time, and you'll get the instant gratification that comes with knowing you have helped out the pirate ship. You can tell us how you really feel about the show and help us get to know you better as well. Do it now. Please take the survey at podcast1.com. That again is podcast1.com and keep the tweets and comments coming. This is Corolla Digital. Welcome, to Doctor Who Podcast. All this month, we've been dedicating this podcast to Prostate Cancer Awareness Month. It, it is the month of September. Hope I beg your all indulgence in that. I uh, hope you enjoyed the podcast with my physician, Doctor Stuart Holden, and uh, this one is a very special podcast with my own spouse, my wife Susan Pinsky. Hey there. Hello, everyone. Hey, now. So a couple bits of business first. Uh, be sure to click through at the Amazon banner at drdrew.com to keep the winds and the sail of the pirate ship here, and keep the lights on, keep Chris and Gary employed. Yes, you appreciate that, don't you? Thank you. Yes. Uh, PayPal, good juju, according to Corolla. And finally, be sure to support the sponsors that support these podcasts. It's very important to be sure that we're able to keep uh, keep the lights on here. And, uh, Chris, here's one before we get uh, – Susan and I get into our conversation here – my own wife was not aware that you and I had produced three le- records, three two LPs and an EP. Oh yeah, right. All the need music to have from the podcast. Party.
1: Come on, and she
0: was like, "What is on these records?" So give her a little taste here. Can you show her? Yeah. Let's first give her a little bit of "Poolside Summer Party" from the latest LP. Sure. We, okay. Okay, uh, we got this one. So that's party tunes yeah. That's very true. Uh, uh,
1: got his swagger on.
0: And then we put the. Uh, how about the previous LP? We have these. <laughs> uh,
2: we have a little bit of uh, this here.
0: This is the. This is the evening cocktail party stuff we put together. Alright, You like it?
1: This could get me in the mood.
0: That's what I'm saying. And, and then finally, well, I where that came from. And then
2: even on our theme song, uh, we uh, have. This uh, is on
0: the EP. This is the original one. Oh, baby. Right.
3: Something for everybody. So the first one is sort of
0: very Austin Powers ish. <laughs> yeah. The second one is very evening cocktail parties, circa 1963, and the last is pool parties with uh, with the, the Rat Pat. So uh, we please, yeah. if you buy those records at iTunes or Doctor. dot then you're supporting the, the pirate ship for and, and the
2: latest album cover with Drew playing the drums is it's really one cute. of my favorite Put things. It, I did see that. we oh, did yeah. see it. Put yes, it up on I the uh, <laughs> thing here. That's so Goodness.
0: awesome. Look, la- look and laugh at that. Uh, all right. So thank you, Chris, for helping me put that together. It was very well done. And uh, so the reason Susan is here, among other things, um, we've never done this. I thought it was a good idea.
1: Yeah. 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 We never have. Uh, great.
0: Please do support Susan's podcast. It is called Calling Out with Susan Pinsky. You can find it at callingoutwithsusanpinsky.com. Uh, her Twitter handle is at First Lady of Love.
1: Because I'm the First Lady of Love line.
0: Right. Right. Uh, literally and figuratively. Uh, and tell us about your podcast.
1: Well, my podcast relates to psychic medium work, and we try to make it entertaining and fun and have celebrities get readings and sort of create a fun environment for sometimes serious subject matter. But it's just a fun show, which, you know, it started here at... at Corolla Digital, right. and we're still going strong. We're into our first year. We're almost yeah. a year old. It's a,
0: it's a good group. It's a lot of fun. I've 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 been. We were. On, I was on it with uh, Phil Henry, and it was really an amazing episode. We
1: had. We had, we tried and, to. Uh, punk our psychic by having Phil Hendry be
0: one of his characters Bobby and Steve yeah. Dooley. He came in at Bobby Dooley and uh and the psychic went and said so, well the psychic started talking about Phil's dad Yes, and Phil freaked out. He was like, was, "Oh my god, that's, goes, me. Goes,
1: that's, hey, that's me. That's me." But you couldn't hear that or, on the podcast. I wish we had on video because his face just dropped. He was so cute and he's like, "Should we tell her who I am?" <laughs> oh my god, I mean we weren't gonna, we weren't going to break the break the character, but uh, should we should we tell her? <laughs> And weird? she was great. Cindy Kaza called in, and she's a wonderful clairvoyant that works out of Nashville, Tennessee, and they call her the Music City me- Medium. And then we had Colby in, in studio, and we had a good time. That was a fun one. That was a really good one. We had Gilbert Gottfried on the the week before.
0: Gilbert effing Gottfried. It's so Yeah, crazy.
1: he wanted to know if Hitler liked his podcast.
0: Oh, Jesus. <laughs> uh, and people get uh, – Sort of angry with me for supporting you on that show? Is that, because as a man of science, I'm not supposed to allow you to do anything you want to do? Well, uh, I think. I can it's be kind a skeptic and a man of science, and you can still have Right, a, have an I mean, it's
1: subject matter, and it's. It, but like I said, we try to educate and not hurt anybody, and try to make it fun and also entertaining, and also help people yeah. with, with things that they can't explain without without getting closure, you know, from loss of loved ones or just getting psychic advice or astrology readings. It's it's kind of fun and it's lighthearted, but it, it I know people think that it's crazy because I'm a crazy woman.
0: Well, speaking of being a crazy woman, um, we're here to talk about prostate cancer. We're talking about we're going to get into the clinical and the concrete science here right now. Uh 1 in 7 men are going to have prostate cancer. Uh, it's the second leading cause of cancer death in men. African-American men are twice as likely to develop prostate cancer. Please go to PCF.org. Even if you just click through on that site and just give them some, give them some traffic, they will appreciate it. PCF.org. Every 2.3 minutes, a man is diagnosed with prostate cancer. In 2014, 233,000 diagnoses. Every 18 minutes, a man dies of prostate cancer. In 2014, 30,000. Almost 30,000 will die of this disease. And it's treatable and curable, and there's no reason for this to be happening, and it's so common and so ridiculous. That's why I sort of – other than my own experience with it, it's why I got behind the Prostate Cancer Foundation, which, by the way, that what PCF does in addition to providing educational information for everybody, it really is the pioneering research – it funds the pioneering research uh, more, second only to the U.S. government in terms of providing funds for prostate cancer research. And a lot of the stuff – the reason i've got one of the reasons i've gotten very involved with them is they the research is leading to insights that are going to be used in other cancers as well and so i'm really and i get to you know cut my my uh, or flex my scientific muscle a little bit with them which has been fun but you my lovely wife started this whole thing going so you want to tell that story
1: well my we were empty nesters and we decided to you know take a vacation and we went to the Bahamas and the Caribbean on a cruise. and We, we should we have bought it at a charity
0: event, remember? It, right. We
1: bought it at the Hillsides event, yeah. and it was the best cruise I ever bought. We had such a great time. We were really connected. We had such a good time, and uh, we were together the entire trip, you know, hand in hand, and for some reason, on the flight home, Drew came down with this horrible fever and chills, and was so sick, and he thought he had some West Indies disease. Well, let
0: me let me let me just stop you because we were on one island, Dominica, and we we or Grenada. Was, it was no, Grenada. it was Dominica. I remember because mm-hmm. I remember we we went to that. We had a. Had that Diet Coke and that we'd walked all through. <laughs> we walked around, and I was walking around in sandals. And I thought, this can't be smart. I'm in this sort of this third worldish country, right? And right. And we went into you went into a clothing store, and there was a newspaper on the, in the, in this store, and it said the headline was. Leptospirosis outbreak on Dominique, and I was like, "Oh crap!" i am a walk around with bare feet. So <laughs> and so okay. we got
1: home, and and we had to take him. So to I, the ho- I, had I had to take him to the hospital at three o'clock in the morning yeah, after I a long flight home. It was horrible, and he was twittering that he was dying of this disease, and and and, some, and It was like that I'm walking out of the the hospital because I had to drop him off. It was like eight in the morning, and I've been up all night, and I had to leave him there in the emergency room. And I'm walking out, and some guys like twittering it, like or or talking about it as I'm walking out. <laughs> he was dying in the hospital and all this stuff. And his management's calling. And they're like, uh, could you take his phone away? <laughs> oh, my God. What is he doing? He's delirious. Anyway, so he was really sick. And he was sick for like a month. And, and I didn't catch it. And I don't know if it's because – well, he ended up having H1N1. But yeah. I didn't catch it. I don't know whether it's because I may have had H1N1 when I came back from Cuba one time because I was sick for like a month. And maybe I just – had the antibody, or I took the Tamiflu, or whatever it was, but I didn't get sick. You did take
0: Tamiflu because we we treated everybody for Tamiflu. But
1: I didn't. I didn't even have any symptoms or anything. and I Tamiflu thought that was. Really weird. I have a really good immune system. Yes, you do. Okay, I never get sick. What? Knock on wood. Anyway, so and I might today, but you know, I'm, I know. I'm don't try to. Gary
0: is sick, and we're we're all trying to avoid. I'm okay, i actively. I'm
1: feeling pretty strong today. Okay, okay. so. I also remembered that you had been sick a month before with some really weird oh,
3: I thought fish I had, virus. Yeah, you yeah. thought
1: you had bat food poisoning. I thought and I had you were in uh, New York uh,
3: ciguatera
0: toxin.
1: Yes, he always has these diagnoses yeah. for himself. He's a little bit of a hypochondriac, but it's okay. I love him anyways. So he was always having these really horrible diseases. And I was thinking, gosh, that's just so weird. I th- I think maybe it's time for you to go to the intern. And maybe, maybe have some things checked up. And, you know, I knew that prostate cancer was in his family. But I didn't really suspect that as mm-hmm. much as it just seemed like his immune system was really, really off. And so I made the appointment. And I said, go. I said, you know, I, I actually had gone to... Doctor Denham and set it up for myself recently. And yeah,
0: and my thing, I was like, oh, you know, I call the subspecial Look, I had I had an infectious disease doctor I called to take care of me during the H1N1. I've got a cardiologist for my high blood pressure. I check my own stuff. Why- yeah, I, I don't I've, need to see. i told him a
1: million times, shut up and yeah. go to the goddamn doctor. Okay, I'm so sick and tired of you. Well, taking this time you were just like,
0: fuck it, you're going.
1: No, I was mad. Yeah. I was like, I no. I and I said, I'm- I don't like going to the hospital with you and thinking you're dying of some disease. There's something you need to go to your own doctor. You need to get a doctor. Right, so, so I went. He did and then we he took all the tests and it came back positive for prostate cancer. Well, so let
0: me let me fill in that part. So I go and it was great. I I really liked having somebody take care of me, but my PSA had gone from 1 to 4. And if you know prostate specific antigen is a test that all men, blood test men need to get, you should start 40, 45. There's all this argument about when to do it and when to stop doing it. After 70, you probably stop doing it. Uh, after Between 50 and 70 is when you really need to check for it, unless you have a first-degree relative, a brother, father, even a grandfather, I'd say, with prostate cancer, particularly at a young age, you might want to start screening at 40. I told my kids, you got to start at 40 for sure, because my dad had it, my uncle had it. They had it in their 70s, so I figured I'd get it then. God damn it, I got it in my 50s. But anyway... So the PSA, my PSA, and the digital rectal exam is obviously another part and part important part of it too. You can usually feel it when there's cancer. In my case, they couldn't feel anything. So my PSA went from one to four, and uh, my, you know, part of the reason I was seeing my doctor is because of Susan's great instincts to have me do it. The physician she sent me to had great instincts and said, "I think you need to see urologist. Something doesn't seem right to me." Uh, I was I was kicking and screaming, "Like really, oh, come on now!" And uh, and I went there, and he, I was
1: kind of th- sorry I sent him to
0: <laughs> <laughs> right, that plane. I was like,
1: "Oh no!" Yeah, the urologist
0: then goes, "Oh, it must be prostatitis." I was right. So he treated me twice for prostatitis. PSA didn't go down. And so to, by the protocol, you just go to, you know, it doesn't go down. You got to check it out. So now I'm getting an ultrasound. Something doesn't look right. Now I'm getting a biopsy. And boom, prostate cancer. So what did you think when you found that out? Well. Because this, this episode is. Too- I,
1: I knew that we caught it early, but I was devastated because we had just recently reconnected after 20 years of having. Kids. a house full of people yeah. and we were finally alone and we were gonna reignite our love affair which we had and we had no problem with um there was you know there was no dysfunction or anything that we knew of that was we wouldn't even known that you had it wasn't like it was a problem except right. for you did have to pee a lot on every air flight he had to pee at least 50 times so yeah. i knew as pros, something might be up but um but you know the reality of it was it can't be that bad or you kind of go into denial. And then I was thinking, well, shoot, this is what what if like this is a cancer that could really be devastating in our life when if something happened, I don't even want to say the word, you know, so it, and it and it broke my heart. It just was clearly not there's never a good time to find this out, but I know it was we had caught it early. So I said, OK, let's figure out what you're going to do. Well, if you
0: remember, uh, I felt so shitty after the biopsy. I started thinking I was going to die. You right, you
1: had a really rough time with that biopsy, and I yeah. and I'm a horrible nurse, but I I was showing empathy the best that I could. I'm not very good at the nursing. My husband's a great doctor; he's really empathetic. I am like the exact opposite, so I'm I tried my hardest to be as sympathetic as possible for you. I'm so sorry, but um, but well, I do know it was that- very painful, and it was. I mean, I don't want men to not get the biopsy because. I don't think it was as bad as giving birth to triplets. No, no, the biopsy. Or, or, or well, let or, me say. Or you know, I. No, no, no. I mean seriously, I I'm kind of tough love because I've been down that road a few times, and you had never had a surgery and you'd never gone through this. But I'm kind of a a veteran of of broken parts. So the,
0: the biopsy was not bad. The actually getting the biopsy done, it was. I developed prostatitis afterwards, and it had me so feeling so run down and washed out I thought oh here we go this is it
1: and then it was kind of a it was kind of fun because the next step was you you have to make sure that we work the prostate and you have sex all the time and you have to make them healthy again and we went to this we went to the first doctor's appointment and I was asking a lot of questions about like what am I supposed to do what am I what's my part in this how am I supposed to how can I make him healthy can we change his diet can we because they gave me a book to read which was really kind of hard to read it was it was was so serious and it was really really bone chilling for me but I read it and I and I decided to jump in And a peepers. lot of it was
0: full of shit too. Yeah, well I
1: read every part of it yeah. and I tried to follow everything on it and um I we t- went in to talk to the doctor about it and had our first appointment And I was asking him about sex and how I had to be a part of this and what my role was. And he was like, well, you should probably have sex every day. But then when we were talking about some other stuff, he started giggling. He was really uncomfortable with it. And I was like... This is weird. Like you should be not giggling and you're uncomfortable. A u- you're a urologist. I know you're supposed <laughs> to help me with this because I had some specific questions, you yeah. know, and yeah. I can't remember what they are now. But <laughs> but it was really uncomfortable. It's a it's a uncomfortable thing to discuss. I mean, not many people are as open about sex as I am, and you know, I've been around you with Loveline for so many years. I don't no. really think of it. I don't think of it as anything but just being open about it. But no. but it was. It's such a personal thing, and you have to. I don't know I I, there was nobody oh and then we couldn't talk to anybody about it because oh yeah because we had we weren't we didn't want to have stigmatize your cancer and make you look weak and in public eye or try to get we were having some things going on we didn't want to have be trying to sell some sympathy vote for you I mean that was my my no there were two things things.
0: there were two things there was a renewal on the on deck for life changers, and we didn't want to give them another reason not to renew it. Right, which we should have not,
1: done anyways. Just didn't renew didn't it anyway. <laughs> yeah.
0: but but that was just that was just another thing. Like eh, all things being equal, that's not well, give them another you know, reason. That's politics. But, but I the, guess. for me, the main reason was. I, I had always planned to go public about it. I just wanted to be – I wanted to get – I wanted my story to play out before right. before I talked about it because it could have gone bad. Well, I didn't know. That's your personal
1: choice. It's your no, cancer. No, no, it's but, not
0: my cancer. No, but, but listen. It could have gone bad. I mean you don't right. know no, when no. you're the, – you, the, the, the fact is we, we called it right. We did it right. We had the surgery. The surgery went well. It could have gone bad. Who well, knows? We, you know?
1: we actually went to stand-up to cancer that year and we were on the red carpet. And I thought for sure you were going to mention it, but nope, we didn't. We didn't even talk about the fact that you were – physically having cancer on that red carpet and it was that was kind of uncomfortable for me because i really i'm not the type of person that likes to keep secrets about no. stuff um but i but it was it was tough it was that was the hardest thing for me because well, people, i don't like being hiding things because right it, of other reasons and i that's we're not yeah.
0: hiding it i'm just waiting to listen i i'm I'm dealing with another number of other men who are very famous right. who have prostate cancer, and they're trying to decide when they're going to talk to about it. it yeah. And they're all trying to make a decision. It's very oh, personal. So difficult. And, and, and no, no one's just jumping out and saying it. They want to say, it, A, when they feel good enough. They got the energy to do all the press associated with it. Right. B, they want it to be a good story. They want to feel good about it and then really help other men with it. And so it's, it's a no, first, it's worked out. And, and it's out. also I mean, got to work out their schedule and things, too. But but here's the other yeah, thing Yeah, but about your it.
1: schedule was taking precedence over, you know, my personal feelings about getting support and having – you know, it was hard. We were kind oh, of – we isolated ourselves. People. Our friends and our family knew, yeah. but everybody's kind of afraid to talk about it and very hush So
0: here's hush. here's what happened. So this – a website called and and said, we hear he's got cancer, he's dying, and they're looking for a replacement at HLM. We're going with the story. See, it
1: always goes yeah.
0: there. Yeah, and so we were like, what the fuck? We're like, look – and then I said, all right, well, now I'm going to tell it. Uh, and at that point, it was about – was it about four months after the surgery, something like that? And I was all right. Well, now it's time. I, you know, I wanted to wait to have a first six month PSA that was negative, so I could say for sure I they got the cancer. I know
1: you're such a perfectionist. Well, yeah, that's you know a, what?
0: the physician in me was doing. But that. I, no.
1: I couldn't, I couldn't even have guests. People didn't even come to the hospital to hang out with you and, and me because we had to keep it secret that we were even in the hospital because we didn't hmm. want to become a shitstorm.
0: You had dinner with friends that night. What are you talking about? No, but about, I
1: didn't. Or... But no, we didn't. They weren't allowed to like. We weren't allowed to have guests. I that's mean, they, not we true. Had a private. That's just not true. We had a private – They, the hospital made it very clear that we, we went through the back door. Yeah, We yeah, tried not yeah. – but it worked out. And But more than that, I was – it was like – I was also thinking to myself, like, what am, What happens to our family if something horrific happens to All Drew? Right, so that's like, the part – that that's
0: what I'm going to get into is what is the spouse's part in this whole experience?
1: Well, I was seriously thinking about, you know, finding a profession to help myself – through you know which I actually could have done I I that year I just happened to be renovating a a condo that I you know that we had and and I was and I wanted to turn it into a rental property which can make money and trying to do something like that so that I could actually have an income I mean we were scared about that you freaked me out you were like well whatever anything happens to me I want you to go out and find something that you can do and, and be and you know now I'm trying and I'm trying to like f- get back in the workforce because I hadn't worked for 20 years so it was raising the kids yeah and then also just trying to figure out what what I could do to you know be strong for you and be be supportive and that you know it's you don't know what what's coming and fortunately we caught it just in time because it was just ready to break out of the capsule. So When,
0: when, we, when we finally did the surgery. But we watched right. it for almost three years. Two so.
1: years, I think it yeah. was. And then, you know, it was two years of a secret and two years of, of worrying. And, and I could tell that you were ashen and you were tired and you looked sicker than usual. Like, now you look so much better. Like, you just, it got, I could tell it was getting worse, you know. I never said anything to you. but it, it's, Well, it, it
0: turned out it wasn't the cancer probably making me. Each time we did the biopsy, it got worse prostatitis. The right. The, my, my whole process was filled with, had with infection yeah. So, I was anyways, and, there, infection. and there's
1: no truth to the rumor that when you have that test, that it le- it seeps into your blood system. No, Jesus. because I I did that podcast with um, Tommy Chong yeah. at the Ontario Improv, yes. and and they were they were all saying how you should you know use marijuana suppositories or, or not hash suppositories. Don't do the the biopsy because it'll leak into your blood system oh and stuff. God. And I was like that can't be true because well, first of all, first of all prostate have,
0: cancer doesn't go in the blood you it just doesn't four, go there you had it four, spreads directly in the bone
1: you had four of those horrible experiences yeah. oh, but no, no. you know I I don't know I, I don't envy you for having to go through that but I'm sorry it was awful
0: we have to apologize. We just, we just want I
1: know, but it's just can I don't have. I don't have it. So I. I feel sad that. You yeah, have but to you had.
0: That. You went through triplets. Well, and yeah, all I did not do that, but
1: yeah, and a tummy tuck, and, and
0: and you. She. This woman nearly died on the table after her triplet delivery. You know, it was bad. Oh
1: yeah, and that was painful putting that uterus back in. <laughs> oh my God, so,
0: Chris! Before you throw up, Gary, uh, I was ask. Is Gary I was going to ask you to. to <laughs> probe a little bit if you have any questions for us that we didn't uh, it's 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 hard for us to be objective about this what might be interesting to people so i wonder if you guys have any questions for us
2: well i mean i was most interested about you know how did you guys how did susan specifically handle the waiting after you know because you you've said on this podcast before that you had the diagnosis and then you guys sat and watched and watched and watched and waited until the last second yeah i mean i don't know it, I, was, from, I guess I guess I'd also be interested in how your kids dealt with that. I don't know how. Yeah. Oh yeah,
1: that was kind of an interesting thing yeah. because we didn't tell them. Yeah, I
0: didn't really even tell them when until we found later. out
1: in January they were sophomores and they were in their first. They had just gone through their first semester of college, and we waited until June to give them the information because I sort of have this policy that you want or was that. That was a freshman year, right? No, it think, was a freshman yeah. year. I'm sorry. We this, didn't want
0: to screw with that. I have this, this policy
1: have, that you need to emotionally get yeah. your kids through a year of college so they know what it feels like to be happy the whole year. <laughs> and then when they're, you know, just so they know what it's like to finish an entire year without any chaos. Like Because freshman year is so tough, and yeah. I had three of them at the same time. Yeah. So we didn't tell them, and then they were pissed. <laughs> they were really but pissed. They were, they were like, gonna, oh, my God, you didn't tell me. Oh, uh, my God, oh, my God. So they came home that summer, and and everybody stayed together that summer. We had kind of a— Well, I was
0: going to have the operation that summer. Right. That's why we told them. I was going to go ahead but, and have it done.
1: But that was a funny story. I We were getting ready to do the surgery, and the week before, he was just coming off a Celebrity Rehab. The it last was, one, or was rehab, not rehab. celebrity rehab, yeah. but rehab, and that's like a really grueling couple of weeks for him. And he had the prostate cancer, and then a week later he was going to go into surgery. And we we went to Vegas just for a last one last hoo ha before you know whatever happened happened. And I was really nervous about that because I wanted to make sure that we got one <laughs> last Kate, sexual experience. She was worried
0: that if I didn't, have, I could lose my potency, which can happen. You can lose your rectum. Oh,
1: I know. You. I was so scared about that. Anyway, so. I had a friend who said that she had a friend who had a really bad outcome and this guy showed her her, his penile implant and he was an attorney and he was suing this doctor and this doctor was horrible or whatever and um, he ended up like – saying, okay, you know, my, fr- I, my friend was telling me, and we were kind of laughing about the fact that this guy was pulling out his dick in front of her.
0: To show his imp- show penis. Yeah, like, she's like, it's penis. like when women
1: get their breasts done and they just like show yeah. you your boobs or whatever. Yeah. And she goes, this guy's, he's like, hey, I really don't want to see that, you know, but he was really, really trying to get across the point that, you know, this guy had a, a low, um, a bad result or whatever. So I said, hey, find out who that is. I, I want to make sure, you know, who it is. So she got back to me and it, and. Okay, we won't say that. Okay, so anyways, I, that was really scary for me.
0: Yeah, so we wanted to make sure we had the uh, the best possible surgeon.
1: Right, so we actually decided, because we talked to your friend. Norm Pattis. Norm Pattis. Yeah, yeah. And, and he said, man, you got to go to this guy. He's the best. I know you guys are worried. So we... We switched doctors.
0: We went, and that's when I got in the active surveillance program, Gary. They were doing active surveillance, and I was like very relieved. I was like, fine. I'll be one of these guys who go on so for we 10 years. So we went to see
1: him, and I was so relieved. Like his bedside manner was amazing. He gave me information. Like Stuart Holden,
0: you guys all heard in the podcast. Oh, my God. Week. And he was, he was so on nice. Three weeks, and, ago. three weeks ago. And of
1: course, fine. I came up to him, and, and I said to him, uh, I really want to be able to have sex with my husband again. If you could really make that happen, I'd appreciate it. So he. He, well, he was
0: very reassuring. He goes, No problem. We'll yeah. Sure he goes,
1: Yeah, come on in, we'll get it done. It'll be you'll be out in a week and da 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 you know, and I was like, Okay, I, I kinda believe you actually. I I feel a little stronger but this. But so we actually were able to postpone it another year. Yeah. And but you know, that was a really important factor for me because I just recently have had my hormones replaced and I actually like sex. So I would love it if my husband could actually do it. So I would, that was a big factor for me yeah. and I was really worried. And I also knew it was a big factor for you because you're a very passionate man. <laughs> he is ladies, seriously. But I, was a big part of that and yeah. i i mean some women like get to a point where they're just like yeah i don't really care anymore right. i don't, don't want to have sex i'm who, whatever i have kids i'm over it i've had menopause i don't and that's their choice or whatever but it did mean a lot to me so and and also your longevity was super important before that i i would rather have you alive than worry about that
0: yeah but it's all important for all of us yeah, yeah. so
1: i don't want people to think that that's the only reason why i wanted you alive no, of course okay
0: well it's Probably the main reason. <laughs> Gary's Maybe laughing. not the only reason, the main reason, Gary. It's the main I, reason. I got a great. I'm good guess. for something. <laughs> uh,
2: but do we answer your question? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's it, that makes it's a it. lot of sense. I think. I think giving them that year in college was probably a good call. Right, yeah, gave yeah. them a
1: year in college. It was kind of a, we kept it to ourselves, which is hard for me because I can't keep secrets very well. But it was, it was a tough time, and and I, and then when they found out, they were extremely horrified and scared. And of course, my boys were thinking, "Oh my God, that's gonna be me too." Yeah. So, well, they also
0: some like have a good outcome now, so they're, they're feeling less. Well, I
1: hope we can help them with their diet or, or something, and we maybe we can help them with something for it's the future. It's the screening.
0: It's the screening. So let me go a little bit, we're going to take a break just a second. Let me just go a little bit over the risk factor of prostate cancer, as you mentioned that. Uh, African-American men are 60% more likely to develop prostate cancer and nearly two and a half times more likely to die. Uh, the exponential increase in the risk goes with age. 65% of all prostate cancer are diagnosed in men over 65. And as you get over 70, the treatments, over 80 wouldn't even treat it. Although 1 in 10,000 men under age 40 will be diagnosed, it jumped to 1 in 39, 40 to 59, 1 in 14 for age 60 to 69. And as Dr. Holden and I mentioned, 100% at 100. And again, it's treated treated differently at different ages. And the risk is highest in men whose family members were diagnosed before age 65, which is me. Um, Men with a father, brother, or son who has history of prostate cancer are twice as likely to develop the disease as those Uh, And those with two or more close relatives, nearly four times as likely.
1: But I want to know what you can do holistically to help. To prevent? Yeah. I mean, I want to give Jordan Douglas a good... If we knew that. But, I mean, you have to drink soy milk. Remember, you had to stop dairy. Turns
0: out that really wasn't important. I don't care.
1: I would like them to change their regimen just in case it would help. And maybe, you know, less red meat and less... All good. Yeah, but... But just things that are generally healthy, or yeah. may make it come le- later in life, as opposed don't, to when you don't be
0: overweight, watch your blood pressure, all that right, stuff. Right?
1: I mean, you're you're you you're going all the time, so you probably have overstressed your body over the years. Maybe that's why you had it earlier than your your. Maybe. But I remember when your your uncle and your dad went through it, mm-hmm. and they had different treatments. But it was tough for them too. It wasn't easy. It's not fun to treat. And mm-hmm. Any cancer isn't fun right. to treat.
0: All right, let's take a quick break, and we'll come back with some calls.
3: Hi, I'm Larry Miller, but in a way, aren't we all? And this week on This Week with Larry Miller, we have a great show, but come see a special live recording of This Week with Larry Miller at the L.A. Podcast Festival on September 28th. For more info, go to lapodfest.com. We'll see you here.
0: Fantasy football is back, and DraftKings.com is not messing around. DraftKings.com is America's favorite one-week fantasy football site where you could win enormous amounts of cash. You've already researched the players for your season-long fantasy team. Turn your knowledge into cash, instant cash, at DraftKings.com. Last year, one player turned $11 into $4,000 in one weekend. Another one, $100,000 for his first time ever playing. Another guy won a million dollars in one day just playing fantasy football. Keep your season long league where it is, but you can also play one week fantasy at draftkings.com to win a large amount of money this weekend. Hurry, get free entry into the Millionaire Maker event, where first place takes home a million dollars. Head over to DraftKings.com now and enter promo code PODCAST to play free to become a millionaire. DraftKings.com, bigger events, bigger winnings, bigger millionaires. Enter PODCAST for free entry now at DraftKings.com. DraftKings.com, that is (laughs) DraftKings.com. I'm back with my beautiful wife, Susan Pinsky, who's checking to make sure she's doing a good job, which she is. Did I do okay? You did a good job. Ask (laughs) these guys. Thumbs up. Thumbs up. Uh, Be sure to support her podcast. It actually is fun and good. It is fun. Yeah, it's good. And um, thank you for being here. We And thank
1: you for being on my podcast. You're on the last four shows.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I know. I I go with her to the shows. Magically end up on
1: them. He likes to be with Um, me all the time.
0: So um, we'll take some calls and see what other people want to talk about here. This is Lisa 50 from Ohio. Lisa, what's going on?
3: Hey, Dr. Drew and Susan. Um, My husband and I have fallen into this mentality with our money. We both have money coming in. He has much more coming in than I do, Um, but sort of a your money, my money mentality. And I was wondering how you recommend to resolve that, and how do you handle things in your house?
0: All right. I'm going to let her answer your question, but let me just say that I don't think anybody has a right answer to this question or there's no sort of clinical standard like this is the way you ought to do it 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 has to be a negotiation like anything else that works for both people and very often the family of origin stuff is what really comes to bear on this you know how you were raised, what money meant to you when you're growing up how bad your parents traumatized you around money uh and so it it i think I think I'll probably agree with Susan whatever she says. Let's hear what she says. <laughs> he
1: her. has to agree with me. Well, let's hear. Or I'll go spend all his money. Okay. So um, I never really have been the breadwinner in the family. So I really can't say specifically how I would deal with it if I were you or your husband in that case. It depends on how much money each one of you makes. Well, but,
0: does it even matter? What? I
1: mean, if if you go... I mean, I honestly would share all my money with you. Right. And you've always shared all your money with me. I think that's the way we would work However, I think that it depends on how... (laughs) how you split up the bills and what the what the costs are and what like if one of you likes to spend more money on certain things like if you if your husband likes to run out and buy two hundred dollars cigars and you like to save a lot of cash on on clothing like whatever i mean it just depends on what you got if one of you is more of a spender than the other
0: so there may need to be a budget or or a, some sort of budgeted money for somebody that's a-
1: and also if like for example a lot of women don't Look at finances. They don't pay the gas bill. They don't pay the the car bills, and the and they don't really have a concept of how much money is going out. They don't manage the money. If you manage the money and and you're spending a a lot more money, not knowing where how much savings you have or what you have. I mean, if you have savings and you're not overspending, that's good. But do you guys both do the finances? Like, do you both work on the books and and pay the bills?
3: Uh, no, as of right now, he does all that. Um, something happened a couple of years ago that would take too much time to explain. But um, so he's in a position where he's really managing most of the money. Mm-hmm. Um, but
1: but he doesn't he let doesn't you see some- where the expenses are. Like he doesn't let you see like how much goes out for monthly expenses, and then how much is left over for for fun and what's good. Well,
3: Actually, he does. all that is an open book. It's just that he doesn't really let me make any major decisions about money at um, this point.
1: Well, that's tough. I mean, that would be hard for me because I'd make all the decisions about money. And, and I'm really lucky because Drew lets me do it. But I don't know if I can. All I can say is just try to be hands on and see as much as you can and get an idea of of where the money goes and how much, you know, and if you're. If you're making your own money and you feel like you want to just use that for your own personal stuff, I don't have a problem with that. I mean, that's kind of – it's kind of a common thing for most women. Like they'll make their money and then they'll – unless you can't keep up with the bills. If you have to pay the bills, you have to pay the bills, you know? Right. That would be my instinct, but I don't know. It just depends. uh,
0: Yeah, I I think all we can really do is talk about our experience and we just – we would pool it and I let Susan manage it. And then I just—I
1: um, don't know if I'm any good at it. But. Well,
0: she's pretty good at it, and, and and then I just keep an eye on it. I just make sure it's—you know—I I agree when I you know, we talk about it. If there's something that's going the wrong direction. Got
3: it. I, we that, so
0: it's a shared experience. I, but if, I mean,
1: if you're making—if you're and, making and by the extra way, money to, because you want to, you know, go out and. Yeah, if you if you yourself. wanted to make
0: a bunch of money and you said I want to put this aside for something that I want to do, I don't think I would object to that. Right. But but there was a time, Lisa, when I was managing everything, and I think it it worked against us because Susan was blinded to what was going on and really just. Didn't have judgment about it as a result, yeah. so. and I
1: dropped a lot of money on my my baby stuff that year. Oh. <laughs> I think I spent a hundred grand on on you did not on baby stuff at, at that year because I I had my credit you did card not. memorized. Hey, I was laying in bed with nothing to do. Oh, oh my god. <laughs>
0: All right, cut that out. That. <laughs> All right, Lisa. Well, I hope that helps a no, little. No, but it's bit good if you can you. see
1: what's what's going out and what's coming in, and you can kind of get a grasp on it and really be on top of that because that'll that'll make a huge difference when you guys have a conversation.
0: Steve, what's going on?
3: Yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, I have a I have a four year old son who's yeah. in uh, in preschool, mm-hmm. and he was having some trouble behavioral troubles, and. Uh, He's been identified as, as possibly having autism spectrum disorder. Mm-hmm. And he's very high-functioning. You know, when he's dealing with adults, you wouldn't even know that there were issues. It's just when he's dealing with sort of his peers and, and younger children. And my question is, we put him in a new preschool, and the teacher has sort of said, well, high-functioning, Autism is the same as Asperger's.
0: Right. So we now, used the, we used to exactly we
3: used,
0: right, or, Yeah, we used to call it Asperger's. Now the term Asperger's is sort of going away and it's all being called autism on, you know, a spectrum from very very mild to very very severe.
3: Okay. So um, do you uh, how much have have you been involved in this and would you consider doing a podcast on it because
0: I would I I actually I, I actually did a couple broadcasts about it for HLN. Uh uh oh shoot. What's the I can see him as clear as day. The guy that uh, Ed Asner. Ed Asner's grandson has autism and Ed Asner's son is very involved in the autism organizations and I did some work with him and UCLA has a great autistic management you know, treatment center that's that's second to none. And I brought some of their people on. The son's name is Matt. That's right. Matt Asner is very, very involved with this. We should have hey, Garrett. So let's have. We should. We should have Matt in here, and maybe I'll give you the name of somebody from the autism unit at UCLA, and we can talk. But I think that would be interesting for people. So yeah, good suggestion. See, we will do that. It's going to be a couple there, months. Are, is what? there
3: a way to watch the old HLN? Shows? Uh,
0: I don't think so. I don't know the answer. To that probably not. But but I I would. Uh, you
1: might be able to find something on the internet, but uh, I doubt it.
0: I would go to UCLA. I'm gonna try to remember the name of this the, the name of the pro- I, well. If you go, I I remember I looked it up the other day the the program and I had a pretty easy time finding it over at UCLA. And there's a lot of resource it's so information there. these days. I'm oh, yeah.
1: just so Well, actually, we're, we're identifying, identifying it. it.
0: And, and it has it has great treatments and great potential, and it's not something you have to be devastated by in any way. It's in, in, in kids, you know. I'll tell you what I I um, used to give a lecture every year at Caltech uh, and the freshman class, and I noticed over the year I probably gave it across ten years. And I noticed that the the I could sort of there was sort of the, the I was working with the mental health department, the mental health services there at the school, and they were telling me they were developing an autism program because they had so many autism. I mean Aspergers, they were calling it. So many Aspergers kids coming in that, you know, they ex- can be extremely intelligent. So they can be very, very competent, very effective. So don't don't uh, don't despair in this. Just know it's going to be some special needs, and you're going to deal with it. Okay.
3: Okay, great. Thank Thanks, Doctor
0: Drew. It's going to be a couple months down the line before we get to that podcast because we're still, as I like I said, September is all prostate cancer awareness, so which is why you're here. I know because are, I'm
1: aware of prostate. Cancer. Are we, cover,
0: are, we <laughs> are we? Are we? Are we covering everything, Gary? Any more questions from your standpoint? No, I mean I. I think this is a fascinating
2: talk. It's to hear you guys talk about it and what you went through and the decisions that you made. I think is a very interesting take on it compared Useful. to. Compared to some of the more clinical stuff we've been. Do you want to hear
1: what it was like after he had the after he had the surgery? I want to hear
2: what it was like after he got back to being Dr. Drew. Oh.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Well, it was. He was pretty sick in the hospital, and afterwards, it was it was a tough surgery. He doesn't really remember a lot of it, but he remembers how fun it was recovering and and the process is. Basically, after the catheter is out, you have to get things up and functioning again. So we we spent an entire summer working on that, and he it it works. It ladies, um, I have to say, right? I have no
0: dribbling of pee, and I have good erectile <laughs> function, good potency.
1: It's back, but it it's a definite tough subject to deal with in a marriage, and it is really hard on people's marriages. You know any kind of illness like this, but we had luck. We were really lucky. Uh,
0: I wouldn't say we're lucky. I, I would say well, most men. could look But you don't forward have
1: cancer now, and it, I mean no. That's but such I. A I
0: huge but thing. this is why I wanted to tell my story in the time frame in which I did. Most men could look forward to exactly this outcome. The vast majority of men that have this problem, uh, at my age, can look so, forward to a good. Outcome.
1: So, girls, you just go out, you buy all those little sex toys, and you know, you you make sure that you have backup, you know, just in case. And Drew actually got really good with a vibrator. By the way, he, he didn't know what I was bringing in. I was like, "Well, just in case, you know, you need some." Ask help. Ask your friend
0: Emily Moore. Sex with Emily. <laughs> Check her out.
1: (laughs) So now we have a big pile of vibrators we have to hide in our house.
0: (laughs) Not anymore, I guess.
1: (laughs) Yeah, we don't need them as much. I'll go visit Jordan this week. As as, much, they're kind of fun though. I have to say, (laughs) but it's it's a it's a lot of work and it's it's hard on the woman to see their husband ill and it was it was really
0: tough well you haven't talked about the feelings yet. you keep saying it's hard we haven't really
1: well just... i was i was really scared and i i didn't want to show you and i didn't I, I didn't it's hard because like if i would i could never complain about anything because it was like well i could die of cancer so it was like you have to be really careful what you say and what you do and what do you mean your emotions are raw and and i'm not like the most tactful person on the earth so sometimes I say stupid things so I really was trying to make a conscious effort to be as supportive as possible for you for those two years not yeah and not let you feel like I wasn't going to be there because you were like so worried if something happened to you that that or Like if you couldn't function, if I would stay with you, you used to ask me that all the time. I was like, of course. That's why I have 16 vibrators. You know, I just – no, I, I don't mean to make light of it, but I was like, I'm not going anywhere. There's there's no way that I'm going to leave you because of this. But I can see how it would be a huge problem in a marriage if something like that did happen. But it was tough and I, I can't – say how happy I am that I have you back in full form. You're just you're healthy and you're strong and you're working and you're we had a rough year monetarily because we had to cut back and you couldn't take new any new work. And we're kind of feeling the pressures of that. And I, that whole money question was kind of a tough one, because I'm trying to make money now too. And, and, you know, we need to support ourselves into our old age, you know, kind of we had a bell curve there, we had a really high couple of years, and then it kind of dropped off, because we were concerned about your health. And you have to not work so hard and kill yourself every day, to, to be there for us, we want you to live a long and healthy life. It's and good. I'm not going anywhere, I promise.
0: Well, that's good. You heard it here, guys. I'm going to replay this re- regularly. <laughs> you make me... We'll make that into a ringtone for you. <laughs> <laughs> that's really funny. Thank you, Carrie. Oh, Emily Morris was on episode 88 on this podcast. You can hear more about it. Yeah, that and right we
1: there. spent the weekend with her this weekend. It yeah. was really fun. We went to the beach and hung out, and she's really fun and funny, and she's got a lot of energy. Drew went running with her, and she She didn't bring me any vibrators. she said it would be too weird <laughs> She's like she showed up with a bag of her cosmetics she goes if I, I I thought if I brought you a vibrator, it would be way too weird to be on vacation with you, but she's cool. she's really cool That's fine. yeah, but I don't know how did you feel like about me and how it um, how did it make you feel because I know you're really sensitive and you're really emotional about it
0: uh. I felt a little abandoned during part of it. Yeah. Uh, I suck as a nurse. Well, I don't know if that was you withdrawing because you were trying to protect yourself. Yeah, or, I have or a fear of loss.
1: Was. I have a real fear of loss problem. <laughs> Abandonment issues because I was, you know, I started out in an incubator. You know that story. Yes, yes. Yeah. So I have, I have, like, when pe- when my parents get old and stuff, I get, Drew's really good at taking care of, elderly people and loving them and, and <laughs> nursing them back to health and being always there for everybody. And I get like uncomfortable. Like I don't, I just don't, don't want to deal with the inevitable or something.
0: I You're withdrawing just, to protect yourself.
1: Yeah. I have an abandonment issues. I don't, I don't deal with death very well.
0: <laughs> you get angry with people that are leaving?
1: No, I just get. I mean, I think I was a little angry at the whole situation because it was so secretive, and I felt like we were kind of isolating ourselves too and it felt I felt kind of alone on some level, but I also wanted to be super supportive for you and and um also was just trying to figure out how to cope and you know i wasn't perfect, but I did my best i did and i and I thought we you know i think we've we've come a hundred percent back to you know where we were before the surgery.
0: I think so it 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 did it did scare me as long as we're going to be completely honest with this podcast that uh, if I got sick again you 'd abandon again
1: I know I got to work on that shit i'm sorry i'm really seriously a lot of women are like that i i I just i've got to work on that. I would never leave you, honey.
0: No, Seriously. I, I understand that. I, but it's that experience did sort of rattle my cage a little bit. I know. And, and, and I know you weren't even... Well,
1: you were also really emotional and sick, too. Yeah, I you know. You have to remember how sick you were. Well, and right. you were it's... You were on some heavy doses of Vicodin <laughs> as well. So yes. it was kind of like everything was heightened yes, and yes. confusing and angering. You were in pain. Yes. When you're in pain, you're not the same. I know i've been there i've i've i was a lunatic after those kids were born, and I had to like heal and stuff and i s it's very difficult and I could see that, but i also am sorry if
0: i know that i know that okay so you don't have to apologize it's not an apology it's just you're asking for know, we're talking on a feeling level well it
1: was really it was really a tough time and we and Jordan was with us that summer and, and decided to stay home and work and, and I feel bad for him work out and he had to help and he got to see it and it really rocked him yeah. he was really upset by the entire thing and and he didn't want to come back this summer so <laughs> <laughs> can't blame him yeah he, it changed his life because he had to see you in pain it wasn't fun
0: I, I I was more misery than pain. Oh, it was misery. Yes, yeah, was. yeah.
1: But you know, we enjoyed our our home. We live. We sat yes. in the backyard every day. <laughs>
0: yes, I know what I would have done with Rex without Honey the Badger. And
1: it, now we do it. It was a little tough at the beginning of the summer. I think you had a little PTSD this summer when we went back in the backyard and you kind of sat there. You kind of got into this mode. But I think you've overcome that. Now. What?
0: How did you? What did you notice?
1: Ah, uh, you just you got really emotional, like sitting back there. And when we went, oh, to that
0: the might beach. have been. I think that was just. I think I'm just still residual from the whole thing. Yeah.
1: Because it's, yeah. it's been
0: a one-year anniversary. The, the
1: one-year anniversary, you got really sick that week, and then you would just you started like sitting where you sat in the chair, and you had this funny demeanor, and I was like, and you were like, I'm so sick, and you weren't really that sick, but you could... I was it, sick.
0: Oh, no, I was really You sick. were,
1: but you weren't really sick. You were just kind well, of sick like on the maybe that's maybe... Verge-
0: okay, well, I'll tell you what that was. That was, oh, my God, this abandonment thing is happening again. And, <laughs> and, and I was sick. I have
1: no sympathy. And I was sick. No, I, no, I, I know you told- were sick, honey, but... But that was you miserable. were, but you were a little bit more dramatic than usual. Yeah, like when you get sick, typically you just go. I'm not. I'm fine, and you go to work, and you get up, and you go, and yeah. whatever. You don't just sit there and no. Get I, really I think I do. I and, think
0: when I have sick, I have at all. I have I have a little PTSD now. I know. Really, I think so too. Oh, absolutely. No, no, because because I my, my thing right now is I feel so good. Uh, you know, and In fact, I'm a little freaked out that I'm going to start working too hard again, that I'll stop running or stop working out and right. I won't feel as good well, as Well, you know, I've had
1: that too. After I had my first knee injury and dislocated my left leg, um, I, had a, I had that same kind of experience when I would have pain. Like a year later, if I would go through an anniversary or if I, my first time going back to a ski hill or whatever, mm-hmm. I got really emotional mm-hmm. and people were like, okay, knock it off. And then... After I gave birth, you know, it's the same thing. You just, there's certain things that trigger you and make you feel go through a PTSD, you know, you just, if it's traumatic.
0: So, so when I, I forgot what I was going (laughs) to say.
1: Oh, baby. I
0: I was just going to say that when I go back to it, all those things sort of come to bear differently than they used to. That's all. Especially when your anniversary and especially when. You treat me kind of the same way again. I think
1: you think I'm treating you that way. I don't think that I'm aware of it. I'm just super busy. You know how I am. Yeah. I'm probably the busiest person you know next to you.
0: All right. Well, that being the case, you need to get out and do your thing. I know. Your, po- I have your shit podcast. To do. Yes, I know. Yeah, you Yeah, do. I do. I have to go do uh, it with your, your and schedule. That about does it with our time here. I want to thank. I you.
1: hope I don't sound like a heartless bitch now.
0: <laughs> no, people. People think whatever <laughs> Not they at think. All. Yeah. People, oh, think. Yeah. I think it's it's just honest. I love you, Drew. I love you too. I do, and I I, I you know the it. That's why I get freaked out about abandonment feelings too. Because I don't want to be without. Well,
1: you you don't have another prostate, so we don't have to deal with that again. (laughs) Thank you.
0: Thank God, my
3: prostate. There (laughs) you go. So,
0: every gentleman, learn from these podcasts. Get and women who are listening, get your man checked uh, and 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 do get screened. I I I think that there's under screening going on right now, and uh, I I think Chris and women
1: get your breast checked, too. Yep, I may end up doing. I'm thinking about bringing
0: Doctor Holden in to do Mike Cathwood on the air.
1: Oh, and I, I want to thank Dr. Yeah, Bowie. Yeah. He was the one that actually did the s- surgery, yes. and I loved him. Yeah. He made me feel calm and confident, and I saw him in the elevator on the way, and he that man made it happen.
0: Good. Fair enough. And uh, that does it for Dr. True Podcast. We'll see you next time. For calling times and topics, follow the show on Twitter at Dr. Drew Podcast. That's D-R-D-R-E-W Podcast. The music from today's episode can be found on the Swing and sounds of the Dr. Drew Podcast, now available on iTunes. And while you're there, don't forget to rate the show. The Dr. Drew Podcast is a Corolla Digital production and is produced by Chris Loxamana and Gary Smith. For more information, go to drdrew.com. This is Corolla Digital.